All right, what a crazy day. It's, uh, we are recording on uh, Wednesday. Uh, what the hell day is it? September 18th. So it's iOS 7 day, as well as uh, uh, the day after all the, the embargo lifted on the iPhone 5S and 5C reviews. And joining me today, I think for the first time. Is this the first time you've been on the talk show? First time. Jim Dalrymple. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. You know, you pointed out we were both at the uh, the Apple uh, shindig last week and and uh, saw each other like mid event, like while they were talking. <laughs> so we just waved and literally did not say a word to each other. I think for the first time ever, it just was. It was so crowded. It was like if you didn't, if you weren't already standing next to somebody, you had no chance to to just wander over and say hi to the people you know. Well, and it's funny you mentioned uh, on the phone that Oh Malik and I were sitting like right across the aisle from each other, and we didn't see each other. You know, because I blend in pretty well. <laughs> Camouflage. <laughs> yeah, it was a good event, though. I, I know you don't like them at, at the uh, at the campus as much, but I do. I like those ones. I I don't have any kind of phobia i'm not gonna or anxiety disorder or anything like that but in just in general i just don't like crowds i don't like being elbow to elbow with people yeah uh you know and and i'll tell you know i'll just give you an example so i don't i'm not a big concert goer i do go to concerts but i have to really like the band to go to a, a concert because i just don't like being that crowd uh and that's what that when they're on the a, Apple's campus, the event is, it's just packed. I mean, there's, there's way, they, they invite far fewer people, but even so it's, it just isn't meant for that. That's true. Uh, you know, I, I don't go to concerts that much either, but you wait until your son gets older, then you'll be going. Yeah. You know, uh, Amy, I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> he might have to invite down, uh, down Uncle Jim to take him to the metal shows or yeah. something. Uh, and you know what? And honestly, if there is any kind of trouble at a concert, Amy would be better anyway. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> well, I wouldn't mess with her. I'll tell you that. No way. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, so I am I, I'm interested. You know, I think we're years away, obviously. I mean, they haven't even broken ground. But I think that uh, when the new campus, the spaceship, arrives – you know, we already know from the plans that have come out that part of the spaceship is is a I, compared to the town hall they have now, massive amphitheater, uh, where I would expect they're going to have all of their future Apple events, and I, I you know that that should be different because I think that it's going to be built with the kind of crowds they draw in mind. Well, I, and and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, Apple pulled out of all the trade shows years ago because they wanted to do their own types of events. And, you know, the first event I think that they really held was uh, was either the iPod or the uh, MacBook, you know, the original white MacBook when they had all those uh, schools, that, well, the one big school that, uh, that took it and then others came on later. But I, I think that they really saw the chance to – to control the environment. Yeah. You know, and uh, they don't need to go to Moscone. I mean, Moscone West, when you go to an event there, it holds thousands of people. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I, I think that they they want more control over what they're putting out and, and how that information is going around the Internet. 
I, I like the events at the Yerba Buena Center. I, I think that's a mm. really nice facility. I think it's a nice stage. I mean, it was great last year when the Foo Fighters were there. It sounded fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like seeing Apple out of the the isolated nature of their own campus. Like, I, <laughs> I vaguely worry. Well, you and I talked about this on the phone, but, you know, I might as well say it here. But I vaguely worry that come the the future spaceship campus that we're literally not going to see apple anywhere outside their own the enclave of their own campus except wwdc right and i and, i don't think that's healthy i'm not sure i'm not sure why though and who knows uh, you know this thing is going to be huge who knows what we could see for wdc right I, I've thought of that too. It doesn't seem practical to me that they would build into their campus facilities for a four or five thousand person campus or, or I mean conference, but I don't know. Who knows? The thing's going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, maybe at that point they, they can expand it, you know, and, and, you know, part of the, the reason that they can't expand it right now is because they just don't have the resources. I mean, you, you know, you can only have so many engineers, but by that time with that size campus, I mean, down in, in Cupertino last week, uh, you know, I went to see some friends that, you know, didn't even work at Apple driving through Cupertino. Every building down there is Apple. Yeah. You know, they're so spread out. I mean, some of the buildings are miles away. Yeah. That's, <laughs> there they are. You know, it's true, and and I know a lot of people. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing most people out there listening to the show have never stepped foot on Apple's campus because it's you know it's out of the way. But I know a lot of people who are fans of the company. If they're in the area, they'll they'll make a pilgrimage. You know, they'll stop in. There is a company store that that people can go to. One of that's like I think the only place where you can actually buy Apple T-shirts. You know, famously they don't that's sell right. they don't sell Apple T-shirts in Apple retail stores. Um. And so people go and do that. But one thing you're struck by, and it's, you know, knowing how big Apple has gotten, you know, that they're the, you know, biggest by market cap company in the world or second to Exxon or whatever, the the actual official one infinite loop campus is relatively small by the, mm. by their current standards. And it's like you said, and you think like, well, how can, given how big Apple's gotten, how can they really still be in these buildings? And, you you know, you're exactly right. They're spread all over Cupertino right now. Yeah. And it's it's no exaggeration when you look at at uh, how far and wide those buildings are. I mean, and and some of them. What's funny is that they came from uh, companies like HP mm-hmm. and, and and other large companies that that gave up those buildings, and Apple snaps them up, and yeah. you know they put hundreds of people in them. And the land for the new campus was from HP too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think truth be told and you know some of this growth came so quickly but and and it's hard. I mean it's hard to build a massive uh spaceship. <laughs> yeah. I mean it really is. It's it's like a skyscraper that, you know, you lay down on the ground and form a donut out of. I mean, but it's, you know, it's it's as big or bigger than than like a massive Manhattan skyscraper in terms of, you know, floor space. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that doesn't happen overnight, obviously. Um, but it's overdue. I mean, the company is bursting at the seams on campus. Well, and it's going to be good for, for them. I mean, I've seen people walking out of uh, one infinite loop to go to a meeting. They hop in their car and, you know, drive across town. Yeah. Just, just for a meeting. I mean, you know, having everybody in, in one central place is going to be good for, 
for the whole company because then you'll have, you know, these, the meetings that they have, the design meetings. I mean, you know, people aren't going to, they're not going to be put out uh, by doing this. You just kind of stop by. I just worry though, that in terms of like public relations, that it's too, it's going to be too isolating for them. I mean, people often make the joke that Apple is sort of like Willy Wonka, you know, that, <laughs> that they're secretive and they, you know, every once in a while come out with these amazing things. But there's, you know, there's that aspect of Willy Wonka too, where he, you know, he secluded himself in the factory and closed the gates and got real weird, you know, it, it, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You know, and Apple employees are, they do go to conferences, you know, they go to CES, they go to all sorts of conferences. They sure. just don't go and speak publicly. They're just there and you kind of have to look at their name badge to find out they're there. Yep. Uh, I, I just worry about that, that long term, it's the, that they're too isolated as a company. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting thing to, uh, to see once once they start moving everything in there if they if they start closing off i don't know if they if they would close off like that i mean the only thing that they're doing is is pulling uh their employees all together yeah you know and all the resources that they have and putting those all together yeah i would say it's two different things i think for for day-to-day operations it's going to be a huge win no doubt about it and i think you know almost like that the the um well, I don't even think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's – I think it's the opposite. I think it's by design that like Pixar's campus where they purposefully designed it with this atrium where everybody would have to – central atrium where no matter what your job was, you'd kind of have to run into other people, that it would be good if the people who were working on the ray tracer software – would just by coincidence run into the story team and they'd meet and maybe become friends and, you know, and, and that good ideas can, can come out of accidental meetings. I think there'd be a lot more of that sort of stuff. I'm saying though, from a public relations standpoint for events that it's and conferences and stuff, it's, it's worrisome to me that maybe we'll never see them outside of their own campus. Yeah. And, and that, that could very well happen considering yeah. the, the scope of what they're building. And just, you know, what we know about how much control they like to have over stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have control over stuff now and, you know, things are still leaking. Yeah. You know, so uh, Tim said, what, last year that they were going to double up on security. Secrecy. Secrecy. But right. yet, here they are. Yeah. You know, I've gotten a lot of questions about that. Uh oh, boy in this week and that's a that's as good a place to start as any is for the most part i i would say the only thing that maybe was a surprise was that that the that the 5s went to 64 bit yeah uh let's i don't I'm not even sure what to think about that but the bottom line though is that the the stuff that leaked i think all of it just Pretty about much, all yeah. of it came from the Asia supply chain. And I don't know that there's anything Apple can do about that. That's it's so tough. You know, despite the fact that that a lot of the stuff leaked from uh the Asian supply chain, most of the analysts were still wrong. <laughs> oh, the analysts were definitely. It's you know who's and, right? It's the people who literally uh pay off factory employees to sneak out components right right i mean like there's no like analysis to it it's it's just 
black market bribery to get you know here's here's the gold frame from the the iPhone 5s you know here it is and how do you stop that I mean it's almost impossible yeah I don't know software wise uh, almost nothing leaked I mean even right. something as stupid and as innocuous as the fact that it in only in the GM none of the betas they added all new ringtones and uh, alert tones. That didn't leak. They had that, you know. I mean, that was the only software surprise, but it, you know, didn't leak. Yep. You know, and I think I even mentioned last week when I had Brent Simmons and Dave Wiskus on the show. Think about this. iOS 7 itself did not leak until they showed it at WWDC. Now, there were rumors that it was going flat, that it was a radical redesign, that it was going to be polarizing. But the actual, you know, what it actually looked like did not leak until they showed it on stage at WWDC. Yeah, that's right. So the stuff that happens on campus in Cupertino, they're definitely, I think they have successfully doubled down on secrecy. The stuff that goes through the agent supply chain, it just leaks like a sieve. Is that why they're moving some of the manufacturing to the U.S. or to different places? You know, they're talking about uh, Brazil and they talk about the U.S. I wouldn't be surprised if it's part of it. You know, you always have to read between the lines with these, with like Tim and, and Phil on stage. I mean, they're, you know, they're so polished, so rehearsed. But, you know, and, and again, this just could be my imagination. I'm totally just, you know, armchair psych, psych, psychologist here. But like when, when Tim Cook was up there after, uh, Craig Federighi did the run through of what's new in iOS 7. And the next thing was to talk about new iPhones. And Tim said something along the lines of some, you know, new iPhones. Some of you maybe have been expecting this. I couldn't help but think, though, that he hated that. He hated it. Hated it that we already knew sort of what the 5S looked like. Hated that we'd already, you could, I, I don't know. I just felt like I could see it. And that the gold, it was not a surprise. Yeah. Really well, think that that disappointed them. I think it must disappoint them because, you know, they work for, uh, you know, a couple of years on these products and then they're leaked, you know, a few months before they come out. And Apple loves the surprise. They love the, that factor of their, their keynotes that they can say, Oh yeah, just one more thing. But if everybody knows what the one more thing is, then, you know, it's done. Steve hated that. Yep. Um, and I, I have to think that, that Tim does too, but you know, it wasn't really much of a surprise. We, we did get confirmation on, you know, colors and pricing and, and things like that, but it's got to be a letdown to get up in the morning and see your new product that will be announced in a month's time splashed all over the internet. Yeah, I think so. And I can't help but think that there's, it, it, Maybe maybe it's it's simple enough not to overthink it about like why did the sixty four bit stay secret and the other stuff didn't. I think it's probably because the A seven is, if not the most expensive component, it's one of you know maybe maybe the display, something like that. Uh, and so it would be a lot harder to smuggle that out and. A layperson, you know, like someone who simply assembles them, they have no idea what they're looking at. You can't look at the A7 and tell that it's, you know, a 64-bit RV8. Right. You know, it just says A7 designed by Apple in California or, you know, something like that. They don't know what it is. And they're not – I think it's a harder thing to smuggle out. And if they did, how would how would somebody else even tell what it is? Well, and you mentioned it earlier that 
the secrecy on campus is getting a lot better. Uh, and that's where they would be developing iOS 7. So, the you know, 64-bit versions of that. Remember when when Steve announced the Intel version of, of Mac OS 10 and said there's a building on campus where this has been developed for the last year alongside the other version and nobody right. knew. Right. I mean, that, that, that is incredible. And if you've ever been on campus, uh, you know, there, there are people walking around with, um, uh, trolleys with thing, uh, black cloths draped over them. <laughs> you know, so there is a, a lot of secrecy that, that goes on there, even from their own employees. And the employees understand that, you know, I, I think these days, a lot of those people that work there, really want to work for Apple. Yeah. And I, I more often than not, if you talk to people that work there, they believe what they're doing actually means something. They they're making changes. They're innovating on things and they want to continue to work there. Yeah, because if you don't work there, where else are you going to work that has the same priorities as Apple? Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, the same logic applies to Google. I, th I think in general, you know, obviously there are exceptions, and I'm sure that there are some people working at Google who used to work at Apple and vice versa. Right. But on the whole, though, they attract different types of engineers, different types of designers, people with, you know, who, who see different things as the most important thing they could be working on. Well, and for the good ones, for these great engineers, they do have a choice. You know, Apple goes looking for them and Google goes looking for them. So they, they can pretty much work where they want. You know, it's not a matter of, oh boy, I better take this job at Apple because, you know, I've got nothing else. Um, all of these companies try and, and bring over the, the greatest. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, talk to, I, I talked to a developer down there. Well, he, own, he owns a company and he's looking for developers. He can't find, good developers in the San Jose in the Valley, basically, because they're, they're all taken up and, you know, Apple pays them well and everybody gives them, you know, great benefits, uh, Apple, Google. Um, so he ended up going to Austin hmm. because there's nobody left out there. It's really hard. Yeah, it is definitely hard. Uh, the other thing too, and I know, you know, people leave Apple, but the big thing is I know a lot of people who've like left, uh, you know, either friends or uh, at least people who I would call, you know, semi-friends, you know, acquaintances. Acquaintances. Uh, you know, they left maybe two years ago, and I know some of them who are already back. You yeah. know, that the door <laughs> – not because they had to, but, you know, and, and it's almost like that's how you do a sabbatical, like, at Apple. Like, if you're tired and want to try something, you – you leave and you, you know, go and work somewhere else for a year or two. And then if you want and the itch is still there, you go back to Apple and the door is, you know, usually open if you left, you know, if you left on good terms and did good work. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that have done that. I mean, uh, Schiller did that, right? Oh, I don't think so. Did he? Schiller was, was there and he went to Macromedia and then came back. Oh, I didn't know he was at Apple before Macromedia. I only knew that he was at Macromedia. Well, that doesn't surprise me. I guess I knew that he was at Macromedia though. I mean, there's, boy, that was a long time ago. It's hard to imagine. Wow. Cause, cause Schiller's probably, Schiller's gotta be the executive who's been there the longest. He must be. Cause I know that he had, he was, you know, senior vice president for product marketing before jobs returned. He was like, maybe the only guy who survived the return of jobs. 
I think he was. Yeah. He could be. Very hard to, to imagine in a modern Apple without Phil Schiller. It really is, you know. But you're right. And, and just going back one step, you're right, though, that the whole, the whole idea that, that on day one, iOS 7, 64-bit, total secret. Well, it, it's got to be because it was produced at, at Apple. But do most people care about 64-bit? Well, I went into it in my review. Uh, and, you know, 64-bit in and of itself, no, not really worth worrying about. It's a developer problem. And, you know, just like with, with Mac OS X, I don't think that uh, anybody really had to worry about it when Mac OS X went 64-bit. You know, unlike every other platform I'm aware of, like Windows, it, you know, you didn't have to worry about what version of an app you had. You know, it all just worked. Uh and I think it'll be like that for consumers with this. The big difference is the move from the old ARM v7 architecture to ARM v8, which has a whole bunch of real performance improvements. And it makes sense if you're going to go to ARM v8 to go 64-bit at the same time. So in a way, they should care because it's really what enabled the 5S to be Literally, like no exaggeration, twice as fast as the five from a year ago. And twice as fast in one generation of phones is, is that's significant. Yeah, it's yeah. really like the old days of the PC industry, you know, where, where you could, you know, you buy a computer and a year later for the same price, you could buy one that was twice as fast. And you feel like, man, that's, you know. I can't believe I should have waited a year to buy my computer. It really is like that with mobile. Yeah. It certainly isn't like that with PCs anymore. Like, you know. No. A, a new MacBook Air you buy today is not twice as fast. It's it's better. The battery life, they've certainly made significant improvements year over year. But, you know, you don't see doubling of clock speed. Or not. I guess not clock speed, but CPU performance year over year. It's really amazing. Well, and, and I think people realize now that that the PC isn't really what they need anymore. You know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the, the iPhone is a PC. Oh, definitely. Uh, and, and you know, you, then you have the iPad. I I work, I still work on, on a MacBook Pro, but, you know, I can easily work on an iPad. I can work on my phone if I, if I really need to. I don't like to, but I can. I, so, I do a significant amount of work on my phone. One thing I do a lot of on my phone is queue up material that I want to link to later right. in the day. So I'll just start my day with the phone in my hand and start reading. And if I see something, hey, hey, I should link to that from Daring Fireball. I, you know, unless I'm going to be on the phone all day, I won't peck it all out on my thumbs right there. I'll just send it to Pinboard. And then later when I'm at my desk, I've already got six or seven things that I've flagged to post. It's tremendously useful to me. Well, I I do. I started using reading list. I was using uh, Instapaper, but when I started trying out um, reading list because it syncs now, yeah, uh, between all the devices, I I tried that out to see how that would work, and it's pretty good. Yeah, and it's you gotten know, better too. Yeah, it, it's not it's not perfect by by any stretch, but you know, we usually what I do. Somebody asked me, you know, how long my reading list was, and I, well. I, as soon as I, I link to something, I delete it. Right. You know, so my, my list isn't that long. But 
it's a it's a pretty efficient way to do things. And now at night, when I when I put put my computer down, I usually pick up my iPad, and you know that's that's just casual reading. You know, going through um, you know the latest things that people send or whatever, and you know that's that's a more casual type of browsing for me. Uh, to sit down with the, the iPad and do that. Uh, but then, you know, saving links and, and things like that. But I, if I have to post something, I'll probably reach over and grab my MacBook again. Yeah. I, I would say it's just as a rough, a rough schedule. The iPhone is my morning device. My Mac at my desk is my afternoon to evening device. And then my iPad is my evening device. Hmm. Like last night was a perfect example. So I was late publishing my my uh, the embargo. I think was nine p.m. Pacific on the the iPhone reviews, and I was I was late as usual. Um, I think I published right after midnight Eastern time, so about three hours late. Uh, <laughs> that, that's actually good for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, uh, I was tired. I had a busy day linking before I really settled down to write. I had a lot of notes from the week. I mean, when I write this stuff, uh, I I have notes. I have notes scribbled in, in Vesper. I have notes scribbled in paper notebooks. I have the beginnings in BB Edit of sort of like a, a text file with the article. But I just sort of like let it all stew, and then I just start writing. And I, yeah. I think I ended up at about 6,000 words or so. Um I was tired, you know. I mean, that's a busy day. Six thousand words. I mean, I'm not saying I wrote all six thousand words, but I kind of put them all together. And right. and you know, it's midnight, and I all the other reviews were out. And I, you know, even when I'm late, I don't stop and read. You know, I want to get my review out without being biased by what other people have said. Yep. But then there were so many reviews that came out on the embargo. I last thing in the world I would want to do is still be at my desk and read them on the computer. Reading them on the iPad with a beer. In my hand on the couch, it was so much better than than the the old days before the iPad. <laughs> really was. I mean, it no, was. I know. You know, I'm laying back. I'm on the couch. You know, in the living room, not at my desk. I mean, I've you know, by the time when you write six thousand words in a day, the last thing you want to do is still be at your desk. Yep. No, I I agree. Could not be better. And you know what? I would not want to read like you. You can't read uh, a non La Shrimpy's. Uh, <laughs> you can't read that Book. on can't read that on an iphone no you can't read that without a beer or a case or right. something too um i love his because it made mine feel short i i loved I, I and i linked to his today and i i said i don't think that there's anybody more qualified to do this type of review i mean he just he basically tears the thing apart and you know talks about things that um the very tech-minded uh, people care about and you need that you, <laughs> was, you, you really do you know what i was nervous about i'm going to take a break in a minute for the first sponsor but i was nervous because i went a little bit more benchmarky in mine than i usually do because i really thought that the 64-bit transition was so interesting and, and there'd been so much controversy about ah this going to 64-bit with only one gig of ram is a total gimmick blah 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 so I really went a lot more technical than I have in in a long time, and I was, I was so worried because I knew when I read Anand's that if it, 
if he said like ah this is kind of a meh upgrade performance wise <laughs> then i was toast <laughs> So I and I usually do. He breaks his up over multiple pages. Uh, yeah. I actually skipped and went to the CPU performance page first, just to like double check and and everything he had kind of jibed with mine. You know that wow, this is you know it's about twice as fast year over year, and it's faster than all the leading Android phones. And I was like, whoo, yeah. Well, I, when I when I look at something like that, I, I kind of take the you know the end user approach and and my reviews and this time I, I went for the pain points, you know, and for me, that's uh, that damn password, you know, yeah. unlocking the phone every single time. And I, I did have concerns about the, the fingerprint sensor because as I laid out in the review, you know, I was worried it was going to say, okay, I'm unlock, I'm, I'm awake and oh, you want to do a fingerprint and okay, I'll read. And you know, it'd just be this painful experience that I could actually type it in faster than waiting for the fingerprint. Yeah. And that would be useless as a as a, a feature that you would want to continue to use. I mean, it has to, to be fast. And it really is. Yeah. You you just press the home button to uh, uh to to wake the phone up and just keep just rest your, your thumb on it. And I I use my thumb instead of a finger because that's how I hold the phone. Um I just rest my thumb on it and it's immediate. It just yeah. opens up. Let's pick it up from there. Let me do the first sponsor break, and we'll pick it right up from there. First sponsor is Great Conference and Event Apart. And Event Apart is the design conference for people who make websites. It's the one web design and front-end development conference that you don't want to miss because year after year, an Event Apart is the place where groundbreaking ideas appear in public first. The Event Apart stage, that's where Ethan Marcotte introduced responsive web design, right? That's the whole the whole idea that you could have one page, not a separate mobile site, but like one site that depending on the device you open on open it on, the width of the window, what device it is, it would respond on the fly. That came right there in Event Apart. That's where Christina Halverson, who I met, I, I spoke with her by the way at a conference, not in Event Apart. I spoke with her at Webstock. She's an amazing speaker. Absolutely. She's like a fireball up there, really. I mean, she is great. That's where she sounded the cry for content strategy. That's where content strategy became like a, a field where you could work. Uh, it's just a great conference. I like a vendor part. Oh, my God. And they come all around the country. You don't have to just find once a year and go somewhere and do it. Go to their website and eventapart.com slash talk show. That way they'll know, they'll know you come here, you came from here. It lists all the cities, the schedules, the tickets, and more. It's a great conference. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, they even give out, I, I don't know if they still do it. They give out great swag. Uh, the <laughs> last time I was there, they gave out custom field note notebooks with event apart. Oh, I love those. Uh, anyway, check them out and eventapart.com slash talk show. My thanks to them for sponsoring the show. So my, my description of the fingerprint sensor is exactly like you said. It's, it's so much faster than I think it even has to be. Yeah. Right? Like my thought going in was exactly the same as yours, that it, it can't be like roughly as long as it takes to enter a passcode. It has to be way faster than the passcode. Yeah. Because I, it's just the way that, that any sort of disruption has to be – 10 times better than the thing that came before it. 
you know, right. and, and, and just, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent, but I think that's exactly the problem that Windows Phone faces. Windows Phone is, by all accounts, really good mobile operating system, but it was late. And at best, it's, you know, roughly on par with Android and iOS. You know, it's like the same thing. It's not 10 times better. So it just has trouble getting traction. Whereas the original iPhone was 10 times better than what came before it. Yep. That's what does it. So if you're going to get rid of passcodes, the thing that you're going to get rid of them with has to be like 10 times better. And that's what Touch ID is. Um, it, it is. It is so much faster than I really thought that they were going to be able to achieve. I had like my hopes. I hope it's like, hope it's like that fast. And they yeah. exceeded it by a long shot. You know, there, there are these features that come out in whether it's iOS or, or OS 10. Um, what's that thing called in OS 10 when they, re, uh, expose? Yeah. You know, you could, you can do these windows and you can have all this stuff going on. I never used it. You know, it's one of those things that when it first comes out, you look at it and say, wow, that's cool. But if it doesn't actually remove a problem or a pain point for you, then you're not going to end up using it. I the the hopes that I had similar to yours for for the Touch ID was they they were pretty high expectations and it exceeded them for me and so much and you know we talked about this on the phone so much so that I went to my my five C and clicked it on and left my thumb there <laughs> oh. on the thing waiting for it to unlock and and I thought oh my god it's broken you know <laughs> I've I've seen that in at least three different reviews of the iPhone five S today everybody yeah. does it yeah everybody. It's, that shows you that the feature works right. and it, and it does remove a problem and it absolutely did for me. So yeah, that's something that, that in itself is a reason to buy the five S. I, I think Tim Cook even kind of touched on this. I think in his wrap up at the end of the event, I, I, I know he touched on it and I, I can't remember when, but I think it was at the very end when he was wrapping it up, when he was talking about, you know, the, the, the new stuff. And there's not that much new, really. I mean, there's Touch ID, there's the improved camera with the burst mode and the slow-mo, and there's the, the performance gains. But that they really focus not just on adding new stuff, but new stuff that everybody will find useful. Right. And, and reading between the lines there, to me, it's pointing a finger at no better example than the, the Samsung Galaxy S4. <laughs> the, the the one that was unveiled at Radio City Music Hall with the song and dance show right. and all this stuff and 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 these features that had all these new features like uh, watching a video and then when you move your eyes away it'll pause automatically and uh, uh, something where you you can somehow move you know, manipulate items on the screen without actually touching the glass and then you read all the reviews and everybody says these things are gimmicks and they don't even work that well I don't like it. Yeah. You know, and, and now, you know, here we are six, seven months later. Nobody even talks about those features. Nobody says, uh, boy, all the other Android phones and iPhone need to get this, uh, look away from video and have it pause automatically. Because you know what? That's nobody actually has a problem pausing a video, right? <laughs> tap the well, screen, tap pause. Well, and, and where are you going to watch video on your phone? You know, sometimes maybe you're in an airport. Right. So, you know, you lift your eyes up and look around and expect it to keep going, which right. I would, and then a pause. No, right. I don't want that. You wouldn't want that. No. It's, it's like you said, though, it's, it is hard to find actual problems to solve and to, and to solve them in a way that it works for everybody. Well, and there, I, I think 
you just nailed something that Apple does that nobody else does. I think that they actually look for the problems to solve instead of coming up and saying, I've got this fancy new feature and I'll, I'll grant it. Apple do, probably does this too. You know, let's make a, a backup that looks like it's in space and on your Mac. And, you know, they, they highlight that stuff as well, but it doesn't seem to me that a lot of companies actually look for something to solve when Apple looks at, you know, the, the passcode. Okay. We need people or we want people to be secure and we want them to lock their phones. This is a real problem. And you know, your, your phone beeps, you pick it up, you type in your passcode and then you look, put it, lock it and put it back down again. And then it beeps again and you got to pick it back up. And lock. So that's an actual problem that people have with, with security. And they solve that. I would like, you know, people talk about um, why I'm so mean to Samsung. Well, don't just take, you know, 10 new features and, and throw them in there if they don't actually do anything. Right. You're wasting people's time. You really are. And yeah. and, and I can see why they do it. I, they shouldn't, but I can see why, because they're not actually helping customers, because right. if the feature isn't helpful, but, but they're doing it because so many people in, in the technology press and the business press have this insatiable desire for endless revolution. Like I'm yeah. going to avoid the word innovation because I've talked about it that I think innovation means something different than what uh what the people who say Apple can't innovate anymore. What they say what they think innovation means is revolution. They want a new the the 2007 iPhone every every 12 months. Right. And that's not going to happen. Real no. innovation is incremental. And it's like a, it's always about going a layer deeper, often, often going about every once in a while. It is about revolution. But for the most part, it's incremental. And, and for some reason in technology, that's that's where people see this, maybe because technology is still relatively a new field. But I think about like the automobile industry. And nobody demands stuff like that. Nobody like when BMW <laughs> comes out with the new three series is is demanding that you know I can't believe that it still has tires on the road <laughs> and it isn't. We don't have hover cars yet. You know what I mean? George Lucas showed us you know a land speeder in 1977. Why don't why why can't BMW make one? Yep. Um, do you know what they do? They work on things like making the doors nicer. That's right. Right? It's like, you know, it's just funny. It's funny how, like, if you get into somebody who's driving, like, a, a later model premium car, like a, a 97 BMW. Still nice car, but you get into it, and you know what? It's, like, roughly on par with, like, a, you know, like a mid-range, like a Honda Civic today. You know, what would have happened in, in 2007 if Apple brought out the first iPhone and it was exactly the 5S with the iOS 7? People probably would have lynched jobs for being a witch. You know, <laughs> right. You know, right. Well, what do you need this airdrop thing for? What is that kind of witchcraft that you're talking about there, Steve? You know, that, and that's, that's why it's incremental because as, as the technology unfolds, we realize <laughs> that there are things that we need to do and there are things that we want to do. There, there are different types of media and files and, and information that we want to share. Okay, well, here's the thing called AirDrop. It took seven years, but we didn't know that we wanted that in 2007. Yeah. We didn't even know we wanted the iPhone in 2007. Yeah. 
It's so, true. That's another one where it's a simple problem, and it's, hey, you've got one of these devices, I've got one of these devices, and we can see each other. We're right here in a room together. Shouldn't I be able to just send you yeah. a, a, a link or a picture? And what did we do before that? Well, uh, text it to me or email it to me or, you know, no, just airdrop it. Just do it. It's done. Yeah. I did it. We I used it last week. Last week after the going out to California um, for the Apple shindig, instead of flying straight home, I went to Denver where uh, my Q branch colleagues were. That, and that's where we ended up recording the talk show. But Dave Wiskus, and, Dave Wiskus lives there, and, and Brent Simmons was in town for the i360 Mac. Dev oh, yeah. conference. Um, and so, you know, it was a convenient way for the three of us to meet face to face and do some Vesper work. But we used AirDrop, you know, it was great. It, it, you know, here, I have a picture. Let me show you this here. And it, AirDrop, there it is. You know, it, it was super convenient. I, I often don't run into stuff like that when I'm at home because I, I'm like a little, like a hermit up here. <laughs> Yeah, me too. You know, but 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 spending two days working like a regular person with colleagues in the same room, it it's fantastic. Yeah, could not be easier. Really great but, feature, but, and it just solves a problem that's been staring us in the face the whole time. Well, and and that's it. And the the greatest features, I I think, are the ones that solve a problem that you don't realize there's a solution to. You know, there's, there's another thing that's a pain point. Well, there is a solution. Text that file to me. That's fine. But there is a better solution. And, you know, we didn't even know that there was a solution needed that we, we didn't already have, but there it is. Yeah. You know, and those are the ones that you'll end up uh, using. And, and just to, uh, just to clarify, looking at Phil Schiller's uh, bio on Apple, it says since rejoining Apple in yeah. 1997. So you're right. He, he was there before. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought I better clarify just in case I was wrong. Yeah. You probably had the scoop at Mac Central in like <laughs> 95 or whenever it was when, when, when he left to go to Macromedia. That's probably what you're remembering. You're probably the one who broke the news. Man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so uh, let me let me just take a second break here. Let me do the second sponsor, and then we can keep going. But this seems like a natural point here. Uh, second sponsor, great to have these guys back. It's been a while, but they they're one of my favorite companies. Global Delight. Oh yeah, my thanks to Global Delight. They want me to talk to you about Vala. Vala. Am I pronouncing it right, Jim? Voila. Voila. Yeah, you see, you're you're up in Canada where you know these Frenchy words. <laughs> Voila. It's the screen capture tool from Global Delight. They're sponsoring the show, and it's an amazing app. I remember this. They've sponsored it before, and I tried it out. Here's how simple this tool makes it to record screencasts in a GIF. You just capture anything. You can make it a web page, a photo stream. You could do, like, a webinar. Uh, you could do a live stream. You can do a voiceover or not. You can just have the audio from what's going on on your computer. You don't have to go through the user manual. You just open the app, and it guides you right through it. The app is called Voila, V-O-I-L-A, and you can download a free trial. Just go to the website and try it and see for yourself. In fact, I should just stop talking. All you got to do is go to www.voila, V-O-I-L-A, screencapture.com. You get a free trial. See for yourself. Just trying it will explain it way better than I can right here. Just look at it. Uh, if you want to buy it, it's just twenty nine ninety nine. But 
just for talk show listeners, our friends at Global Delight are running a 50% discount. It runs through September 30th, right? So talk show listeners, you get an extra 10% on top of the 50% sale if you use the code DF09. And that's valid through September 30th. So you can save a ton of bucks on a great app. So go to voilascreencapture.com. It's already off on sale for 50% off, and you'll save 10% more with DF09. Can I, I, I tell you something about that? Yeah, tell me something, Jim. I got two licenses for uh, Voila last week, uh, one for me and one for Dave Mark. And it, it's very easy. Very easy to use. It's a great uh, tool. I, I did a quick uh, quick screen recording. Uh, you can export right to you know YouTube and stuff like that, or just use QuickTime export the file, which is what I did, and boom, it's done. This guy's write great code. They have a great uh, they have, they have great iPhone apps too. Anyway, Global Delight, yeah. great great thing. Check them out. Uh, so. I think that there's a, a, a pretty clear consensus that the uh, the 5S is a great upgrade. The 5C is is a great phone. You know, clearly spec wise, it's the same as the the five. If you have an iPhone right. five, you you're not going to upgrade to the 5C. I mean, that's you know, you're just except for the color. A lot of people will do that. I don't think anybody who already has a five would though. I mean, I somebody know. might. I mean, I wouldn't say nobody, but you know, it's hard to recommend. The 5S well, yeah, okay. is, is the, if you already have a 5, is the 5S a worthy upgrade? Yeah, I think so. You're, you're, you know, if you're willing to pay that, the price that, it, you know, because everybody already has a 5, bought it a year ago. If, yep. if you're willing to pay the price, I think it's worth it. I mean, I, I think it's probably worth it for the camera alone. Yeah. Um, but I'm a dummy. I've, I've bought my own new iPhone every single year. Yep, and I, you know, I've never regretted it though. So maybe I'm not that dumb. I don't know. It feels like money well spent to me, but it's it totally feels like a solid upgrade to me. Now, the the camera is one of the the last things that I looked at. I am I see you walking around um, even at the event last week, and you've got the nice DSLR, and you know you've got a nice camera. I don't because I totally suck at photography. I, I'm just terrible. And if if my iPhone doesn't take a good good picture, then I just don't have good pictures. Uh, so I need I need the iPhone camera to be good. I do like to to film videos, and I filmed some videos for the review of the slow mo feature, um, and and put them in there of my dogs uh, playing frisbee, and the videos were always you know they're always very cool because one of my my border collies Harold. He just, he loves to jump as high as he can for the Frisbee. And so it was great. I went out, you know, you throw the Frisbee and he jumps like five feet in the air, catches this thing. And I slow mowed that section of it. It was brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. It's a really clever, you know, and like it, it is an intersection of hardware and software. I mean, obviously the hardware, right. the camera itself hardware has to be capable of shooting 120 frames per second, which not a lot of very few cell phone size cameras can, right. but it's more than that though. It's the software where it's so easy to pick the points where you want it in slow-mo. Yeah. Uh, easy enough to make the whole clip slow-mo easy enough to say, you know, forget about the slow-mo. I don't want any of it slow-mo. I want, I just want the video at regular speed. I forget the slow-mo. Whatever you want, it is so easy 
to to specify. Yeah, and it's just in and out points. I, I, you know, and it seems so obvious once you've seen it and you've, you know, I'm sure, you know, by next year when it, uh, lots of phones have this, that, you know, all sorts of Android phones are going to have the exact same interface. But that sort of interface that seems so obvious once you've seen it, it's not obvious. You no. Know? And no, it's not. I mean, thinking about it going in and saying, okay, slow-mo video, uh, do I export that or does it pick the part automatically or, you know, what happens here? And the thing is, I, I did three separate videos and I pick the, the in and out points and then you export the video and share it. That's, you know, I sent, I emailed it to myself, but then you can go back in and pick new in and out points. You know, the video is still there. The, the ability to do slow-mo is still there. The ability to change it up, you know, so you can do whatever you want as long as you have the video uh, on your iPhone. Yeah. And and then re-export it and, you know, mail it to yourself again. Right. Yeah. So the way it works behind the scenes is when you shoot a slow-mo clip, it shoots the whole thing at 120 frames per second. So it's four times the number of frames that a regular 30 frames per second video is. But then you set these in and out points, and they're just saved as metadata on a file. And then when you export it, it'll export a version that does 30 frames per second at the real speed and just goes, you know, it... it it couldn't be better. It's all, I think it's a lot like the way the filters work on the still pictures yeah. where it doesn't really save them. It saves the filter as metadata and it only really does the application of it at full resolution when you export. Right. Um, uh, something else to note about slow-mo on the third video that I posted, you can actually hear the audio being slowed down as well. And, the dog was really kind of close to me when he when he jumped and caught the uh, the frisbee. You can hear his teeth <laughs> grasp onto the frisbee in slow mo. It's like go crunch. It's great. It's great. I I I loved it. One of the things that struck me, especially with these new camera features on the five S, the the burst mode and. Um, the slow-mo is, is, and, you know, and I think that the last year, or I guess it was, I it wasn't last year. It was with the introduction of iOS seven, but that was back at WWDC when they added the built-in Instagram style filters is how clearly Apple is designing this for the idea that your photos are never really going to leave your iPhone. You might sync them to iPhoto on a Mac or something. You might, or some, or Lightroom or Aperture or something. You could, you can if you want, but you no longer are expected to, right? Your your phone is the one-stop place for the entire photo experience. Because I think back, like I used to shoot film. I used to, you know, I got into photography in the late 90s and shot, you know, film. And in my first, you know, Canon SLR, I shot on film. And, and the first couple of years... Uh, after my son was born, all the pictures I shot on film. And what do you do with film? Well, you take it and get developed and you get prints. And then, you know, we would take the prints and, and it, you know, throw out anything that turned out bad and take the good ones and put them in a photo album. And there you yeah. go. That's what you do. What did you do with digital photos, right? That was a big question when, when, when we first went to digital. And before iPhoto existed, what we'd do is we'd, we'd hook up the digital camera to your computer and you'd dump all the files into a folder in the finder <laughs> and you'd have all these f pictures and you'd like open them up in something and, and look at them and maybe throw out. But then you just, you just wound up ending up with a thousand photos and not, and they all have like these names like, 
img underscore five six eight nine dot jpg right in in all caps of course yeah. <laughs> right that yeah. and and there was it was a serious question and then when they when Apple first came out with iPhoto that was how it. J- Steve Jobs pitched it. It's like, look, that that's nonsense here. We'll help you organize your photos. But I think, you know, and, and you know, and, and iPhoto is a great app and it certainly made that better, but it wasn't good enough. And I don't feel like, I feel like the true solution of what do we do with digital photos is, is the iPhone, right? It's, it's keeping them on the device and then finding the ones you really want to share and sharing them you know, to Instagram or to Flickr or to email or a text message or, or whatever right there, right? There is no sync process. There is no move it to a real computer and then do something. It's the iPhone is the real computer and you can get rid of the red eye right there and you can adjust the color balance, you know, put some kind of filter on to give it a warmer look or, or a black and white look right there. Do you think that's for everybody though? I do. I think it's way more for everybody than than syncing by a USB cable, connecting it to something even like iPhoto and then doing those things. Because for the most part I think you want to do something like post it to Flickr or send it to a friend or a family member or something right after you took the photo. Oh, that's true. Right. I feel like, you know, you go on vacation and it's so much more fun to take a picture of you in front of some kind of landmark and then send it right after you took the picture than to do it eight days later when you get home. No, that, that, that part is true. What about the people that, uh, you know, like Monique, she may post on Facebook or post a picture or something, but then she likes to get home and organize her pictures. So, you know, vacation, this is where we went and look at them because it's a nice big screen, make, make a book or what you there's no harm you know you're no if that's what you like to do it's you're no worse for the wear right it's it's no skin off your back you can still do that this is like a new convenience added on top but the thing that really also made me think about it today was david pogue's review of ios 7 i think mentioned that when you set a filter in in ios like you take a picture and then you use one of apple's built-in eight filters um and then you sync your phone to your computer and suck it into iPhoto or whatever, you don't get that filter. You just get the photo you shot. The filter is just like metadata that's on the iPhone, and it only really gets applied when you do it from the iPhone. It makes sense to me, and that doesn't even surprise me, but it did surprise Pogue. So maybe, you know, I saw the the uh, link that you posted on that, maybe it was yesterday. Um, maybe that is the way that they're heading. You know, they're just easing into it. I so They don't freak people out or yeah. something. Uh, and, you know, and the big one for me, and I wrote about it in my review, but the burst mode is just so eye-opening. You know, and like you yeah. said, I have an SLR. I have a really nice Canon 5D. I have some really nice lenses for it. I'm not a professional photographer. I'm not even a prosumer. I'm, a, I'm maybe like an avid amateur. Uh, but I do like shooting in you know, call it burst mode, call it continuous mode, especially, you know, shooting kids, you know, but just hold the button down and shoot as fast as the camera will go for a second or two. And you're, it just increases the odds that on one of those ones you get, your subjects are in focus, their eyes are open, and the light looks good on them. But then what do you do with the rest if you just shot 12 photos? And then it's like, delete, 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 (laughs) delete. No, wait, no, wait, was this the one that was good or not? 
the burst mode software interface on the iPhone is, again, in in hindsight, it's like, well, of course this is how it works. But I've never seen a camera that worked like that before, you know, where you go open up the burst when you're ready and you, you just click a button that says favorites and then it shows you all of the photos in the burst in a timeline and it it automatically makes like a guess as to which one is the best using like the facial recognition and stuff. Um, I haven't used I mean, a week isn't long enough to really test how good their guesses is. So I just didn't comment on it. But, you know, it might do pretty well. It seems like the facial recognition for focus has always worked pretty well on the iPhone. Um, you pick one, you pick two, you could pick none, but you pick however many you want. Those that you pick get saved as their own items in the photo roll, and then you can delete that whole burst stack in one action. It it's, right. it it is so great. It's and it's so much quicker than like the old way. Like with my Canon, which is a you know like a two thousand dollar camera. I think maybe like a twenty five hundred dollar camera. If I shoot a burst of twenty photos, it's easier for me to make my selects pick the one or two keepers and throw out the other 18 once I sync to Lightroom on my computer and do it on my computer. It's a total pain in the ass to do it on the camera. Just I just I just don't even bother. I don't even bother trying because it's like delete, confirm, delete, confirm. <laughs> Forget it. You know what I mean? I'm not... Whereas the iPhone now, the iPhone 5S has now made it where it's easier to do your picks keep your selects and get rid of the other ones. It's way easier on the phone than it would be to do it in iPhoto or Aperture or Lightroom. Yeah. Like they've totally inverted the, the, the model of where it's easier, you know, where, where your first pass triage of your photos is easier done. Couldn't be happier with it. And that's just what you want. And again, another pain point. Right. And so, you know, in terms of people who are upgrading and have to pay the full price because they're still on contract because they have an iPhone 5, to me, a good point-and-shoot camera is still worth, you know, uh, two, three, $400. You know, that to me factors into the price of upgrading to the 5S is that it's, you know, it is a great point-and-shoot camera. Well, and and that's what people like me need. I mean, you know, you can tell me that it has – you know, an F 2.5. I, I don't know what that means. I mean, you, you're just speaking gibberish to me <laughs> as it should be. Though. As know, it should be. I, I just, if I can take the, the camera and, you know, when Monique and I are going on vacation or something and we look at what we have to pack, do we need a camera? No, I'm, I'm going to use the iPhone. You can bring camera if you want, but I'm going to use the iPhone and that's all I use. So it's important to me that, it focuses properly and you know using the um uh the burst mode is going to be great for me because i take such shitty pictures yep. that using the burst mode and then to go in and have it you know recommend oh here's a here's a good one you know it it this one has the right lighting and you know it's not blurred and it's all the fine uh, okay iphone 5 i'll i'll take your uh, advice and i'll keep that one uh the rest of them Delete. The most surprising statistic I've seen in a while, because I thought it would be a big number and it was way bigger than I thought, was a, a, a week or two ago when I was writing about Nintendo and, and how you know I think that their handheld market is, is in da- serious danger due to the, the post-PC. But Nintendo aside, 
I, as further example of devices being disrupted, I wanted to look up what's going on with the point and shoot camera industry. And, and it was, I think it was 42%. The wall street journal reported a, a few weeks ago that point and shoot camera sales were down 42% in just 12 months wow. this year, which is uh, almost, uh, almost phenomenal bottoming out of the market. All right. And I, think that it's one of those things that it's not like, oh, well, the damage was done between 2012 and 2013. Now it'll level out. No way. I think that when you see a trend line like that, I think you're going to see it happening. You know, next year is going to be like another 40, 50 percent that there's just less and less. Yes, the optics, the actual like physics of light going through a lens and hitting a sensor are way better on a point and shoot camera that has, you know, a big dedicated lens, way bigger compared to the phone. But you can't beat the software and you can't beat the connectivity and the apps and the social sharing that you get on the phone. You know, the camera that's with you is the best camera. And isn't that the way that that a lot of this stuff is? It's making the camera or whatever it is good enough that it's there, it's with you, you trust it, you're willing to use it. Yep. Go. Yep. I, I'm that's that's exactly what it is for me. Yep. It's the exact same way that where where PC laptop sales have dropped off with tablets. It's not because tablets are faster than, than Windows and Mac laptops or that they're more powerful or that you can do more multitasking or that the screen is as big or that you can type as fast, etc. It's a, it's it's that it's good enough and that it's so much easier and nicer. Right. That's how disruption works. You know, well, you, you think you're safe because of your specs. And in the meantime, the, the, the disruptor is, is eating you out from the bottom. And, and the same thing happened. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, this statistic with, uh, with cameras, look at printers. When's the last time you printed anything? And it's not that it got disrupted and replaced with something else. It just became obsolete. <laughs> I would buy a printer that could only print airline boarding pass. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, like, like we, we still have a printer uh, and it's on the network because my kids are, are both in university and they need to pass in papers. And, you know, I, why they don't just let them email the papers in, uh, I don't know in, in this day and age, but they have to print it off. My son so, is in fourth grade and is allowed to email his homework. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But it, it, this is university in Canada too. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's universities are slower to move. They they still take dog sleds to, yeah. to school, so you know. See, I would want to print maybe because I would want to make sure the font turned out all right, and I don't trust them to have the font. If, but that's me. I'm an yeah. idiot. Let me take the last sponsor break, and then here's what I'm going to do after the sponsor break. I asked before we got on the air. I asked uh, I asked people on Twitter. I told them. I said, "Hey, Dalrymple's going to be on the show." What questions do you have for us about the the new iPhones and iOS 7? So I got a whole bunch of Twitter responses. I'm going to try to go through them, and we'll, we'll answer these questions. Some of them are good, and some of them are funny. You should look at your Twitter feed, too, I've been watching. You got it. Okay. Uh, our last sponsor, our third sponsor, what a great friend of the show, Squarespace. Now, you guys know who Squarespace is. They're the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own totally professional website or online portfolio. You get a free trial and 10% off if you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALKSHOW10. 
9. T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W and then the digit 9. What, what do you want me to say about Squarespace? They've got great support. I've told you about this last week. They have, they have 70 employees just in their customer care team, all of them in New York. Uh, they're there 24-7, 365 days a year. It doesn't matter when you're working on your Squarespace site. Maybe it's something you're doing on the side, not something you're doing for your day job, something you do when you get home after you put your kids to bed. You need help at 11 o'clock at night because you're stuck on something. They're there to help you. It's amazing. I can't. Be- I I just can't believe that they're there twenty four hours, seven days a week. Uh, when you're actually setting it up, how easy is it? Everything is drag and drop. You use drag and drop to manage the layout. You manage. You use drag and drop to uh, change your themes. You can use drag and drop uh, to decide what types of content you've got on your site. You want your Twitter feed in there. Uh, do you want to set up a store? You do it all by drag and drop. Uh, and it's design focused. This is the thing. This is why I think they go after shows uh, like ours for sponsors because they know that our audience is design focused. People who are interested in Apple, Squarespace really cares about design. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Their templates are so clean. They're so professional. Uh, and again, I, here's a tie into the previous sponsor: responsive. Their their templates. All are set up to look great on mobile devices from phones to tablets to, you know, your giant 27-inch iMac. Uh, and then last but not least, commerce. Adding e- e-commerce to a website has got to be traditionally in all of web design the biggest pain in the ass in the world. Squarespace makes it just as easy as they make everything else. So go to squarespace.com. Try them out for free. Plans start at just 8 bucks a month, which is unbelievable. And if you use the code TALKSHOW9, you'll save even more. You'll save an extra 10%. My thanks to Squarespace. I have a, a Squarespace uh, thing that I go over and play on all the time. Don't actually you know, post a whole lot, but I go over and play because it's they make updates all the time as well. Yeah, all so, the time. You know, they, they do a lot, of, uh, a lot of good stuff over there. All right, here's a question. Arno, okay. Arno Sazna. I don't think I, there's a, so many questions here. This worked out so well that I don't even know how they're going to get them all. But here's a good question. I, I there's a ton. Why is iOS 7 so much better on the iPhone than the iPad? I, I, I like it on the iPad. You know, there seems to be some mixed reaction on that. I kind of expected last week that they were going to only release it this week for iPhone and release it for the iPad next month when, when I think everybody expects there to be another Apple event to, do, to unveil new iPads. It just seems to me like iOS 7 is about a month behind on iPad. It, it wasn't ready at WWDC. The first beta, you know, it was always two or three weeks behind, and it still feels two or three weeks behind to me. That's not to say it's unusable, because I've been using iOS 7 on my iPhone, my main iPhone, since uh, July. And it's been fine. I've had a you know a fine summer using iOS seven as my main OS. Agreed. And I've been using it on my my iPad since about the, the same time, and I, I don't have any problems with it. Yeah, but I do. I've heard from other people, and I've seen some people on Twitter who are seeing some real performance bottlenecks. I, uh, David Barnard, a uh, friend of the show, guy behind. Uh, all the app cubby apps uh, was tweeting and took video of he was changing the wallpaper on his iPad mini after updating it to the iOS seven GM. And it, it, or he was shooting a vine, you know, and the vine only gives you six seconds. The vine wasn't long enough to show how long it took for the wallpaper change to take place. So, I mean, obviously there's, you know, but I, I, I tried it myself. I changed the wallpaper and it didn't, 
I didn't see that. So it's not like, well, everybody's iPad mini takes seven or eight seconds to change the wallpaper. I, I mean, there's obviously something wrong on his. I don't know. I, I just feel like there is a point that I do feel like it has been true that iOS, iPad iOS 7 has been a few weeks behind the iPhone version. But I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens today and tomorrow after people upgrade, you know, whether there's an outcry from iPad users in particular versus iPhone users. But I'm with you. My, me personally, with, with my iPad mini running the iOS 7 GM, I, I like it better than I liked it running iOS 6. Here's a good question. <clears throat> Is Jim jealous that Apple gave you a pink 5C? <laughs> no, no, what, I'm not. What color did you get? I get green. Oh, uh, here's a question from a guy named Craig Hockenberry. Who's that? That sounds like a weird name. Does a green iPhone get lost in a beard like snot? I can't answer that. I don't. I have neither a green iPhone nor a beard. Wow! But luckily, Jim is here. Wow! With both, um, I, I have to admit that I I did have a green iPhone, but on the the first night, it got lost in the beard. <laughs> so I haven't actually seen it since. <laughs> Can I tell you what one of my just to interrupt the the questions? You know what my favorite little feature of iOS seven is. It's the fact that there's no longer a limit on your Safari tabs. Oh. Now, I, you know, it used to be eight. And if you had eight and opened another link, like say, like if you just were in Safari and I saw that there was a little eight in a the corner, then I knew, hey, don't open a new tab till I close one. But what would happen is I'd be in mail, click a link, and it would go to Safari and it would like erase, it would overwrite like the oldest tab you had open. But then I'd be like, well, what was that? Maybe that was something important. Now it just keeps opening and opening and opening them. It doesn't magically keep them all in RAM. You know, the way that sometimes an old tab that you have open in Safari, you have to, uh, uh, it'll have to reload it from the, the, the network before it'll actually show you the content. It doesn't magically keep them all in RAM because, you know, there's, you know, actually only still one gigabyte of RAM, but it remembers the URL and it now remembers a screenshot of what it looked like. So the tabs that have been erased from memory, when you're paging through your tabs, it still looks like the tab. So you can identify it visually. Yeah. I yeah, have, I have found this to be such a great feature and it's one of those things where I always knew it was an annoyance that the ninth tab that you open in Safari would overwrite the first but now that I can keep, you know, I can have 12, 13, 14 open, uh, it, it's what a great feature. And I really like the interface for flipping through them too. I think it's, I think it's really great. It, and, and when you, um, when you tap on the one that you want, it kind of flips out from the bottom. Yeah. You know, so that's it. There's a lot of these things like, like that and like, uh, multitasking that I really like. It, it, it kind of shows that even though Apple moved away from, from the scomorphic design a lot, they still do care about the details. Oh, definitely. You I know, think so. so. You know, that's a good question for you. Uh, you had concerns when, when, when the rumors were first coming out about the move away from skeuomorphism. You wrote a really good piece on, on, uh, on the loop about how, hey, you know, you're a little worried about this if it's true. You don't want to prejudge it. You're going to wait and see what they show you. But you like the skeuomorph. You like the attention to detail. I do. What do you and think about iOS 7 in that regard? 
they still, that's, I guess that's the, the thing. There, there's, there are so many details that they looked at. I really do like, um, some of the, the schemorphic elements that Apple had in its OS. Uh, you know, like the, the shredder in, in Passbook and, right. you know, stuff like that. It was, it was cool. There, there's, there's no way around it. Um, but they've replaced that with, I think, the more dynamics. You know, I know the people are are against the the icons flying in from like behind the or in front of the screen, and I kind of like it. I love it. You know, it it gives the the phone a, a feeling of interaction without you really having to do anything. You press the button and watch it go. You know, and I I wouldn't want to get rid of that. Right. I I think one of the best ways to put it is maybe it's it's like they've exchanged one style of flourishes for a different style of flourishes. It's not yeah. though that they've gone plain, right? And and again, I like Windows Phone. If I had to use a some some phone other than an iPhone, I would definitely, no doubt, in my mind choose a, a probably a Nokia. Windows Phone over any Android phone. I really do like it better. But I think Windows Phone's flat look, if you will, if you want to use the F word, uh, and we all know how much we all love the F word, uh, (laughs) I think their look is plain and truly flat in a way that Apple's is not. Because Apple, you know, I can't emphasize enough until you use iOS 7. And I think by the time the show airs, a lot of, you know, there's an awful lot of people who are going to be like one or two days into iOS 7. It isn't flat. It's it's like the buttons are flat maybe, but the actual interaction from the home screen to the app to notification center is very three-dimensional. It's layered. And I think it's, and I think that the transitions, the animations between those layers are just great. And I think, I think it really shows that they still sweat the details just like they used to when they were making the felt in Game Center really look as much like felt as they could. It's just a different, a different way. Yeah. I, that's, that is a great way to put it. So, you know, do I miss the, the felt? No, I, I don't. It's, it's that, kind of interactivity of, of things like I, I like the familiarity of if I'm going to uh, shred something, I like to see a shredder. I, it might be stupid. I know, but I like to see a shredder. Um, I like the shredder too, but you know, they, they focus on, on different things now. And you know what, if you, if you have the, uh, the, the five S, you know, I'm looking at it right now. And if you tilt the screen, um, you know, the background will move. And they, you know, all that, that takes power in the phone in order to get that done. So, you know, I'm, I'm happier than what I thought I would have been. Hmm. All right. Good enough. All right. Here's a good question. Totally serious. This one's from Justin Hicks. Did the two of you believe Apple has much bigger plans for the fingerprint scanning technology? Man, that's a tough one because, you know, right now, Apple has to be wary of all the, you know, security experts out there and the fact that it's very safe. But I would think that the the fingerprint would be a great thing to do. I mean, you can purchase with it. Uh, and so I I think yes, I think they definitely have bigger plans. Now, I think uh, like a lot of stuff with Apple, you don't don't get too caught up on like the next say 1 2 3 4 months. 
You know, right. take a bigger view. Maybe, maybe a lot of it won't come out for a year until iOS eight, but I definitely think that they have bigger plans for it. Yeah. Um, so one thing that was missing, it was announced at WWDC and it was in all of the seeds over summer of iOS seven was iCloud keychain. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was working pretty well for me is not in iOS 7.0 or the just released a few hours ago, 7.0.1. And they didn't mention it last week. Uh, I, I heard, and I saw a couple other people heard, you know, that it's not, doesn't even seem to be a secret that it's probably going to come out with Mavericks when, when uh, Mac OS 10 Mavericks, the 10.9 ships in a couple of weeks, probably, and that it'll, it'll come back to iOS seven then. So it's not that they've got, it's not that they've abandoned it. It's just wasn't quite ready right now. Well, I mean, in, in actual fact, that's what you need. If you need Mavericks in order to, to really share a lot of well, this stuff with. So not true though, because what if, what if you don't even have a Mac? What if you just have an iPad and an iPhone? iTunes, uh, iCloud keychain is useful to you right well, now. I suppose yeah. today. So I don't think you need Mavericks, but you know, I, apparently that's how they're going to, how and when they're going to demo it. But anyway, I can't help but think that at some point in the future, iCloud keychain combined with Touch ID uh, would be great, right? It, it, you know, not not you know, one password is a great program, and and I hope they you know have a long future ahead of them. But built into the OS, wouldn't that be great? If like when you need to fill in. A password and a website that you could just do it with your thumb and then the password yeah. comes in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I'm glad I don't have to be the guy designing the security behind all that because the, 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 I used to be pretty good at math, like in high school, but I'll tell you what, I wasn't that good at math. I mean, that's serious. And that's serious pressure too, because you got to get that right. But, you know, Apple has smart people who can do it. And I think that'd be a great feature. And, you know, the other big thing everybody is sort of speculating about, using your phone for uh, ta- uh, payments, you know, go into Starbucks and buy a coffee and, and pay for it by putting your thumb on the scanner instead of, you know, like a barcode scan. Well, and here's here's something else. Do you allow third-party access to that? I think so, too. But that could be the sort of thing where I see it happening in, let's say, iOS 8 instead of right. iOS 7. Right, yeah. You know, once that they've had a year to shake some stuff out. But I think, yes, I, I think bottom line, Justin Hicks, I think they have very big plans for the fingerprint scanning. All right. Uh, how about uh, Micah Clements? You find you're using the new 5S camera features in daily use, or are they more of a novelty like Panorama? I think burst mode is a daily use thing. I don't, th- I think for, a, unless your subjects are like posing, like in front of something and standing completely still, I, there's no reason not to shoot a burst. You know, if it's kids moving around or you're shooting like, uh, uh, uh your kids playing soccer or, or, you know, in your case, like if you were trying to get a still photo of your dog catching a frisbee, I, the burst mode to me is a, is an everyday thing. I think that's why they made it. It's not a mode. You just hold down the shutter button. Right. Burst mode to me is is a game changer. I I I know that that's a cliche, um, but it really I think it really is. I think it changes the way I'll take. I'll tell you what it it is. It particularly changes. You know, I I can't imagine using a third party camera app to shoot photos. You know, whether I'm going to Instagram it or you know use some other app to put the filter on. I I already shot most of my photos using the built in system camera app, but now I'll do it for sure because it's the it's the only app with burst mode. Yep. Well, and, and clearly I like the, uh, 
the slow-mo feature, you know, I, I have instances where that will definitely come in handy for me. You know, you know what I would like to see? And I, I, I did point this out. I would like to see better night shots and low light condition shots. Yeah. I I think that's where they're really running into the physics, you know, that, that yeah. you know, and, and you don't have to know what F-stops are. You don't have to know the difference between aperture and stuff. It's, you know, it, it's just simple physics. The, the bigger the distance between the glass and the sensor, the more, the bigger the glass can be. And the more glass there is, the more light comes in. And the bigger the distance, the bigger the sensor itself can be. And a bigger sensor can get a better exposure in low light than a small sensor. Now, compare like that big honking uh, Canon SLR you saw me with last week to, to the iPhone 5S. And you see <laughs> that there are serious, just simple physical limitations. I mean, it's this tiny little lens and the sensor is only... Uh, what's well, less than a quarter of an inch away. It's amazing that it does as well as it does. I wouldn't be surprised if they've got, you know, Apple in particular is working on truly revolutionary technology in that regard, but the iPhone 5S is not. It is improved. It does take better low light pictures. But it's true. as of yet, as of 2013, there is no breakthrough technology that lets you take the sort of low light pictures you could take with a SLR and a really fast lens uh, on something this size. Yeah, I hate physics. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I was in, when I was in London um, a couple of weeks ago. I went out for a walk. It was like midnight. And went out for a walk and ended up in Trafalgar Square and took an, a, a nice shot. Posted it on Facebook and. When I got back to the hotel later, I looked at it and it was just, it was crap. You know, it was all grainy and awful. And see, this is where me not being a photographer, I look at it and say, that's, that's junk. You know, but I, I guess there's something called physics that has something yeah. to do with that. Uh, here's a good question. A lot of people have asked about this. So, uh, the big news with the 5C, again, it's not an engineering difference. It's a marketing and branding change from prior years. Uh, but that alone, that's not to diminish it. I, I love marketing and branding. I think it's as important as an engineering upgrade like the 5S. But they've clearly split the iPhone into a, a family of new products. Right, like the way that MacBooks have the MacBook Airs and the MacBook Pros, the way right. that desktops have iMacs and Mac Pros. So now we have the 5C and the 5S. Where do you think the names are going to go next year? Presumably, presumably the high-end one is going to be an iPhone 6. But what I, I, I'm really at a loss. I mean, Apple's naming often confuses me. I, I, I honestly have no idea what to guess. Because I I do I think that they're going to have now that they've split it in two they're going to have I think they're going to have two new ones every year. Well, they they pretty much have to. Right. I think next year we'll see a new high end phone that replaces the five S. Right. I think we will see a new mid range phone that replaces the five C. And my guess is the five C today's five C will move down to the free with contract range. And, and then, but what know, will they call them? I really have no idea. I don't know how to guess. Yeah, and uh, you know they could end up in naming convention trouble every year from now on. But you know, 
They'll they'll figure something out. But yeah, that's a good. I mean, they can't just name it. Well, I suppose they could. They could name it the the six and the six C. Or or do they go the six C squared? Or, <laughs> here's know? here's uh, here's my best guess. But I would not want to wager more than five bucks on it. Is that they would go to iPhone six, uh, just plain six, no letter, and that's the new high end one, and that the. Mid-range one stays plastic. Maybe they change up the colors, and it would be called the iPhone 5CS. They've gone two letters before. They had the 3GS. That's so right. I don't think it would be unprecedented. It would be the 5CS. It would be like an iPhone 5C, but with the A7, and maybe the better camera with the burst mode and slow-mo. That's my best guess, but I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's a good guess. Very hard for me to guess, though. It's it, these names really confuse me. I really almost it almost makes me happy that they've with iPad they just call them all iPad and we just go you know we the writers have to just go like fourth generation right yeah um I just had one here oh how about performance seems a little leggy on my current gen iPod Touch. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time with iOS seven on a. Now the iPod Touch is four S caliber, right? It's a I, I a, believe a, so. Yeah. yeah, it's an A five. Uh, in fact, I don't even think I installed it on my four S. I think I kept my four S running iOS six. Um, because I, I I sort of need my old iPhones now for testing Vesper. Uh. Yeah, I've heard that from other people, and in fact, like I've heard a couple. They even you can get iPhone iOS seven on the even on the iPhone four no S, and I've heard it's really pretty laggy there. Uh, and that's that sucks for people who who upgrade trusting Apple if it's true. I I don't know though personally. Yeah, I I don't know either. I've only installed it on a five five S and five C, and um, and my iPad Mini, and yeah, and my my iPad. I actually my iPad Mini is the one that I left at iOS 6, but I'll update that tonight. Mm. Uh, but it wouldn't be the first time. In fact, it usually seems to be the case that whatever the least supported iPhone is for a new version of iOS, it's a little laggy on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm you know, not sure what to say about that other than sorry if that's what you think. Let's see. Here's one from... Oh, that's a good one. This one's from Amy Jane Gruber. Uh-oh. <laughs> Seriously, what's the deal with the ants? <laughs> what's the deal with the ants in our shower? <laughs> I think Montero uh, already answered that one. Yeah, I, I guess that one's for me, not for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We've got these little baby ants in our shower, and it doesn't seem like, you know... I don't know. They seem like immune to pesticide. I, I, I'm not sure what the deal is, though. So, yeah. Sorry, Amy. Yeah, I mean, you can come up here and... Shower in Canada. You, you know, you can live in an igloo for a while. <laughs> no ants. Hey, what color uh, iPhone 5S did you get? Gold. Yeah, so did I. I wonder if everybody... No, because Anand got black. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. What's your take on the gold? I love the gold. I really do. When when I first, it, it was actually a post that um, that you linked to when 
news of the champagne or gold uh, first came out, you rightly pointed to the fact that Apple had released gold products before in an iPad mini or uh, sorry, uh, iPod mini. Right. Um, and it was ugly as hell. Oh my God. That thing was ugly. I, I, I remembered it when, when I clicked on your, your link and I thought I never wanted one of those. And I, I was kind of, I was worried, but I, I thought I got to give Apple some design credit. And as soon as I saw it, I thought that's the one I want. Definitely. Mm. So that's what I got. Yeah. My, I, the gold is, I, as I wrote, the gold is not my gripe with it. I kind of like the gold. It's the white. I just don't like the white face around any of my iOS devices. I just like, I like it when it's off to just look like a, a slab of black. I wish, I almost wish that they had four phones, black with space gray, white with silver, white with gold and black with the gold. I think the black with the gold could be a cool look. Hmm. You know, I guess well, in in your in your uh, parlance, it would be like a, a Boston Bruins look. Oh, right. Oh boy, that would be. I need a Boston. Well, I was going to say Pittsburgh Steelers, but I was trying to put it in terms that you would understand. Yeah. <laughs> I told Apple I wanted a purple phone. I want a loop phone. No, no purple phone. No, no purple. You know what the hell? Well, on, but there's, team. you know what? There's clearly though. Once they've now that they've gone plastic with the mid range, I think that they're. I mean, whether they were, whether they'll change the palette every year or not, I don't know. But there's almost an infinite range of colors that they could go to now easily. True. Uh, it's not a question from a, a reader, but uh, I didn't really mention this. But I think looking at, especially in the hands-on area last week, where you could look at all five of the five C colors together. It's they're so designed with the color palette of iOS seven in mind. It's you know I don't know like that's the one thing I know people complain about the icons and they complain about this and that when iOS seven first came out, but there were a lot of color complaints about the color palette. And I think as as the months have gone on, everybody is sort of unless I'm missing something, everybody's sort of shut up about that. I feel like they were just you know they're they're skating to where the puck was heading in terms of what colors are in. Right. And I think that the hardware and the software are so clearly from the same design movement. It's, you know, it's almost unprecedented at Apple. Maybe the last time that the hardware and software seemed so clearly designed together was like the original iMacs, those candy translucent plastics combined with the original version of Mac OS X with all the translucent. <laughs> yeah. I I really like the way that the the 5C feels. It doesn't feel like plastic to me. No. It, it almost feels ceramic or, or enamel. Yeah, and that, yeah. That's it. You know, I had the same thought. I have a, a Lumia 800 from Nokia here, and I think that they're still making theirs out of the same polycarbonate. Now, they're they've gone a different route with their plastic. Theirs has more of a it's it's not polished and shiny. It's more of a matte finish, um, but it is without question the only phone I've held in years that that rivals an iPhone for build quality. And that's a good you know the matte is a you know but it's real just like the the five C. It feels rigid and not like plastic. It feels like something I don't know. The word plastic has this cheap connotation that that the iPhone five C doesn't feel like. And that the Lumias do not feel like, even though the iPhones are very, very glossy, almost 
super glossy, and the yeah. Lumias are the opposite of glossy. They're matte. It's two different ways to go, but with modern materials. Whereas I think the old the old three G three GS kind of did feel plasticky, in a in a cheap way. Yeah, somebody. I I wasn't sure if I like the feel of the the five C better than than the old ones, or if I was somebody asked me this yesterday, and I said yes that it felt more sturdy. But then you know I responded back again and said they're they're two different shapes, and you know when you're Am I convincing myself that the 5C is more sturdy or is it actually a sturdier phone? I really do think it is sturdier. Yeah. But, and, you know, I guess it'll be up to the, uh, you know, the take apart guys to, to determine it. But Apple talked about the fact that it has this rigid steel frame inside, which yeah. I don't think that the 3GS had. I, I don't think so. No, I think that there's a steel frame inside here that, you know, that really does add a, a rigidity to the whole thing that, you didn't have in the in the 3G 3GS. You remember I told you that um, uh, that when I went back to the home screen on my on my 5S that the icons jumped. Yeah, and and I didn't put that in my review because I found out what it was. Oh, what was it? It's the background. So I uh, to to test it, I opened up a folder. So there's no no icons really to jump. Opened up a folder and the background moved. So whether it's the way I'm holding the phone or you know maybe I tilt the phone down when I when I do it. So the background moves and it looked like the icons were moving. So it looked like a a little uh, video glitch or something when you hmm. when you went back to the to the thing. So when you went back to the home screen. So yeah. Hey, did you try the uh the motion, what do they call them? The the moving wallpapers. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you, do you are you using one? I was using one up until last night. Um, huh. I, I had the little, you know, the the little bubbles, and then I put a a planet on there instead. I found it just a little distracting. Yeah, I did well, use it for a day though, and it didn't seem to have any adverse effect on battery life. It I did not. I think I think that makes some some or maybe even a lot of sense because who spends a lot of time with their home screen open? Right? It should only affect yeah. the battery life while the home screen's open and who really has the display on on the home screen for more than a few seconds at a time. It's true. It's nice. But, but and we it's, don't know what's going on in the background either. Maybe right. it is doing something. It's also interesting to me that the default wallpapers are not – they've added this feature now where we have motion wallpapers, but none of the default wallpapers are moving. That's a little interesting to me because usually if you're going to add something like that, you're going to use it by default. Uh, I'm looking at it now. I have the, the star system or whatever it is, and it's moving. Yeah, well, I, I I don't have the motion one. I don't. I mean, I, you know, they look okay, but uh, yeah, I don't like them. I like the monochrome <laughs> ones. I like the real. I feel like with the brighter and more vibrant icons, having like a monochromatic background really makes the icons pop. Huh. I'm gonna try that. You don't like them, but you have ants in your shower too. Exactly. So, you know, here's yeah. here's Jeff Schwab on Twitter. He says these ants never would have infiltrated the shower if Steve Jobs were still in charge. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Yeah, I guess he's right. It wouldn't have happened if Steve Jobs were still around. Uh, let's see here. Oh, here who who built the A7 processor? Ooh, good question. Anand thinks it's Samsung. 
even though we're all sort of there's so much speculation that this is the year that Apple's finally broken away from Samsung as their CPU maker. His best guess is Samsung, and it, it'd be really tough for me to bet against Anand. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet against because then he would call and ask me a question about right. a processor or something. I'd have to hang up on him. So my guess is I think it's Samsung because Anand says so, but I'm hoping it's that TSMC because the hell with Samsung. That would be very cool. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll find out. I guess we'll find out tomorrow night because I those iFixit guys, they're, they're I love those guys. I, I Yeah. <laughs> Cuz they they fly. They don't live there. They fly. They book tickets to go to Australia. At least they haven't past years. I don't know if they're doing it this year, but the last few years they book tickets to go to Australia. Because that is where the international dateline is. That's where the iPhone first goes on sale to get one first and start. They have it like taken apart before 8 a.m. Eastern time in the U.S. even rolls around. So I, hopefully we'll find out some answers on that uh, probably within about 24 hours. But yeah. I, I don't know what to guess. There's no – I have no information. And I, I asked around a little bit and got zero answer. Apple just does not talk about – the suppliers, even if they know that, you know, iFixit's going to take this thing apart in 48 hours, they won't tell you off the record. They just no. do not talk about it. Absolutely not. Right. Um, there, there's actually a, a good follow up here. Uh, how does Touch ID work when you swipe over a specific notification? Um, so when, in other words, you're on the, the home screen and your phone is locked and there's, you know, one email out of 10 that you want to read. If you swipe on that email and you're, and, um, you, you put, it, it'll, it'll bring up the, uh, you know, the pad, the, uh, passcode, the, the passcode. And then you just rest your thumb on the, um, on the sensor and the fingerprint sensor and it'll open up directly into that message. Right. Swipe so, it so. first, like you ordinarily would. And then instead of entering the code, you do the thing. Uh, also, a nice touch on on Touch ID, if you, by habit, start entering your passcode and then think, oh, wait, why am I doing this? I'll just, you've entered like two out of the four digits. Why am I doing this? You touch the home button, it still works. Like you don't have, you know. Yeah. It just, uh, and, and the animation fills in the dots on your code, which I right. think is a nice touch. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was uh, uh, Daniel Middlecoat that, that asked that one. That's actually uh a good one. I found that one out by mistake. Cause I often do that. You know, you get a message and I, I want to read it. I'll go directly to that one. Yeah. It's actually very much the same as it was when you used a passcode. Yeah. You just, you just do the touch IT once, once you get to the passcode screen. Whereas if you just want to open the iPhone, you don't even have to get to the passcode screen. You just turn the phone on and, and touch the sensor. Yep. Uh, let's see. And, and in case anybody is wondering, you can. Um, add multiple fingerprints to yes to up the to iPhone. five and they don't have to you know obviously they don't all have to be yours yeah. like i wrote you could do both your thumbs both index fingers and let your spouse add one just you know for emergency pur purposes yeah. if you had a yellow banana a yellow iphone 5c and a banana which would you put in your pants <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's easy. I think you put one in the one in the right pocket and one in the left pocket. Yeah, it seems seems easy to me. Yeah. Thank thank you, Mike Hay. Uh, great question from Thomas Richards. Fingerprint scanner on iPad? Yes or no? I'm going to say this year's iPad. Yes or no? That's a good question. I, I say yes. I'm going to say I hope so, but I wouldn't be surprised if the answer is no. 
You know, I, and I wonder here's, and here's why I say that is just because of that mantra of our most forward thinking iPhone yet, you know, and forward thinking, forward thinking, they keep saying that, which makes me wonder if how much that some of this stuff isn't coming to other iOS devices until next year. Well, I will say this just, just to be perfectly clear. I know nothing about, you know, a fingerprint thing on, on the new iPad, but um, I, I'll go yes, because I think even though the iPhone is the most forward thinking product, they've known about it for some time. And I think that they would have built that in. Yeah. And it could be too, that it, maybe it appears on the full size iPad, but not the iPad mini or, you know, or some other way that they will tier the iPad similarly where the lower priced models don't have it, but the higher priced ones do. Yeah, I, I yeah. can see that. Uh, here's another thing I heard today. This is scuttlebutt. This is not from like a, this is like secondhand, but it does make sense. Is that the 64 bit and the ARM V8, that whole move on the A7 had to happen for Touch ID? That Touch ID can only work with the ARM V8 and 64 bit. Uh, they couldn't do. Touch ID until they did that. And and the explanation, I think, is because one of the performance advantages of ARM V8 is that the instruction set now has um, cryptographic shortcuts. That some of the you know common um, cryptographic algorithms are built into the CPU. So instead of actually computing the math the traditional way, it's just a shortcut where if your code needs to do, you know, AES. 256 bit encryption it's it's an instruction code right on the the processor and it just goes through and so that that's one of those things that helps make touch id instantaneous because none of this stuff is it, it's and i can't emphasize this enough there are no pictures of your thumbprint or fingerprint stored anywhere right it's it's an encrypted id where your thumbprint is part of what makes the ID, but that the whole thing gets computed instantly. And that the, you know, so I don't know if that's true or not, but it may, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it is true. And that touch ID will only appear as devices get the A7 system on a chip. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, in fact, I, you know, why, what's the point of making new iPads this year if at least the high end ones don't go to the A7? And so if they go to the A7, who knows? Maybe maybe the touch ID sensor is not that that relatively expensive. And so maybe it's a no-brainer. Yeah, of course the iPad's going to get it. I, I just, I think it will. And maybe it'll be some, you know, uh, layering of, of how they do it. Yeah. But, you know, the way that they did it, if you look at next year, um, you know, they have the, the 5CS, uh, as you mentioned earlier, then. It'll okay, definitely get it. Yeah, this one gets it because yeah. it's already uh, – so it worked out perfectly for yeah. them. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, uh, I think our answer is uh, probably slash hopefully this year for the iPad and definitely eventually. Next year at the latest, the iPad will definitely have Touch ID. Touch ID will within two years will be on all, all iPhones and iPads. No doubt. Yeah. It's, you know, it's absolutely the future of uh, logging into your device. Here's the thing I was told by Apple, uh, and I believe it is that over the course of developing Touch ID, they actually had to dial back the places where you still have to enter your passcode and your store ID because they realized that if you never had to enter it, you'd forget it. 
right? That you you know you only get to use Touch ID if you set up a passcode or password if you're a passphrase if you want the longer one for your phone. But if they let you log into it without ever having to use it, uh, like for example, if you turn your power your phone all the way off and then power it on, you have to enter the code. You have to enter a code before you can log in using your thumb. And they had it set up at some point where you could just, once you set up the thumb, you could always use the thumb. But they realized that the people who did that, they they forgot their passcodes. It's kind of funny. That is kind of funny. And and you know what? Today, I went to buy something on the App Store, and it asked me for to, to manually put in my, my passcode, even though I'd, I had activated the yeah. purchase by thumb. So. What's what's it been like a week? Maybe maybe it pops up every now and then, and yeah, say, I'm not sure punch, what the I'm not sure what the rule is on that. If it's a timing thing or what? Yeah, uh, my friend Nat Irons asked. I know he asked yesterday. Can the Verizon iPhone walk and chew gum at the same time? <laughs> Meaning, when you're on a a, a yeah. phone call, do you can you still get LTE data? Can you get LTE data, or does it drop back to edge? And the bad news is, I've tested this. It it cannot. It's still if uh, when you're on a cell phone call on Verizon, uh, data drops to edge. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, well, you know, but good thing for me, I don't, uh, I don't make a lot of voice calls. Yeah, we don't anymore, do we? No. And you know what's interesting? Now that iOS 7's out and everybody I know is going to upgrade, I'm interested to know how many of the voice calls I do make will go as voice only FaceTime calls. Yeah, and a the quality should be way better, and b because that's just data, it'll still be, it'll still have, you know, it, it'll solve that problem. When if you make a voice only FaceTime call instead of an official phone call, you know, you'll 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 work around that problem. But no, Verizon users, because the my test units were both on Verizon. Uh, no, the Verizon doesn't work yet. It, it's funny, you know, when you look at. At voice calls, I mean, it, it's to the point now where I mean, my daughter, she's twenty, um, she thinks that you know something catastrophe must have happened if there's an actual voice call. Why wouldn't you just text? My son won't even answer his phone. <laughs> my you wife know. never answers her phone. <laughs> I'm you know, lucky if she answered it for me. Anybody else calls her? Nobody. She she just <laughs> she never answers her phone and never listens to voicemail. Nice. She's got like a red badge on her phone app. It says like like 147. Love it. Uh, hey, here's a question for you. So I guess Apple. I never thought about this, but uh, your review units are they? Um, they're they're set up for like uh, Bell Canada or whatever the hell you have up there. No, I actually have. Um, I've had an AT and T account for about 15 years. Oh, and that just works. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I did. Yeah. I, did, I did not know that. Here's a question from. Uh, Joan Bone, Hone Bone. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name. Uh, the, he just updated to iOS 7. The launch and close app animations. Time waster? Ways to turn off? Sorry if obvious. Haven't looked yet. Uh, I, as far as I know, there is no way to turn them off. I don't know. I know. Uh, maybe in accessibility. I don't know if there's like a seasickness setting or something like that. But I don't think they're time wasters. I, you know, I guess some people are annoyed by them, but I think that they. I, I think that they're pleasant because to me they give you a sense of place in the OS. Yeah, I, I like them. So no, I, I'm I like them too. And, and it's <clears throat> multitasking. Love multitasking now. Yeah. Um, you know the way that you go into it, the way that you get out of it. Yeah, the way it's sort of like a half. There's like the the home screen 
And when you're in an app, which is full screen and multitasking exists like halfway in between the two, which yeah. I think is perfect conceptually. Uh, what was it that did that? WebOS had these kind of uh, multitasking like this? Yes. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, it's very serious. And it's, you know, and like flicking the things to close them is kind of fun. Same thing with yep. flicking the tabs in Safari to close them. Right on. Yeah. Um, here's a question from Dave Addy. Good friend. I met him at uh, Webstock this year, too. Great smart, app developer. Smart guy. Uh, given the scale of changes needed to support iOS 7, when will Apple stop accepting apps linked against iOS 6? Uh, let me think about that. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty immediate. I think. No, no. In other words, they might, they might stop accepting iOS six only apps, ones that aren't native for seven, but, but when would they stop accepting apps that also support six? You know, when are they going to, when are they, I think that might be a ways off. Yeah. Honestly, I do, because I think that there are, even though, even though I expect, you know, just like with iOS 6, which reads like 95% of the iOS installed base, I expect iOS 7 to, within a few months, be running on 90 plus percent of iOS devices. At which point, I think a reasonable developer could say, I'm just going to erase the hassles of supporting both and just go iOS 7 only. There are institutions that, that, even though that makes sense to me, I think that culturally there are places where they're like, no, 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 we want everybody. So we're going to still, you know, link to iOS 6 or iOS 5 even or something like that. So I think it'll be a while before Apple doesn't let you do that. But I think, uh, you know, conversely, let me flip the question around. I don't think developers sh- should hesitate to go iOS 7 only. I think oh, it, me neither. It, I think it eliminates hassles. I don't think you lose many users. I think the users you do lose are not your best customers. And there are so many cool things in iOS 7, like TextKit, uh, that uh, it just makes sense. And, and, you know, you can't use, you can't really go, you can't dive into TextKit and still support iOS 6. Yeah. And the background updates, if you have an app that, that loads content from the web. I mean, there's so much stuff. iOS 7 is such a great update. Yeah. I I think developers shouldn't wait for Apple to make them drop iOS 6. Just drop it and go ahead. I, I couldn't agree more. I've said that, you know, about every major update. Uh, you know, how far back should we go? I, it, dep- it Really, it depends on, on what kind of cool features you want to offer your users as yeah. a developer. And, you know, as a user, I want you to make the best app you can. If that means you're going iOS 7 only, do it. Yeah. Give me the absolute best that you can. And I think that's what I, I think that's what iPhone customers want. Yeah. I really do. I think that's the reason they picked iPhones in the first place. Yep. Uh, please advise on bling or gunmetal spacey color. Thanks, guys. Can't wait for the show. That's from Rob Richmond. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's really hard to recommend that without, you know, if for people who want to order at midnight without having seen them in person because they want to get it ASAP, you know. You're going to have to go with your gut. All I can say about the gold, you you really like it. All I can say, it's it's as nice as gold could be. I wouldn't, the gold wouldn't keep me from getting it. And if I were going to get one, if somebody said to me, you can't get black, you have to get one of the two with the white face, I'd go with the gold just because I think it looks cool and it's kind of new. But it is not blingy. Great. Yeah. It doesn't look like Donald Trump's phone. Right. Yeah. And that's part of what I was afraid of. Right. 
Me it, personally, it I like the black though, and I think the black is an up a really nice upgrade over last year's, which I still like. And you know, that was my phone last year. The best way I can put it, and a couple, I've seen a couple. I'm not the only person who's observed this. To me, and this is, I haven't seen the black one in a week. I haven't seen it since I was in the hands-on area last last week in Cupertino. But you know, it, in hindsight, and I studied it a lot there. It really reminds me of the original iPhone the 2007 one with the black face and the black plastic on the back for the antenna and that silver, you know, sort of, you know, metal back. It's, it's instead of being black colored, it's dark metal colored. Yeah. If you like black phones, you're going to love the, the space gray one. Yeah, I agree. None of them look bad. Now, if you took like five of those gold ones and put them around your neck on a chain. Yeah. Okay. Blingy. You know. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to do that. Somebody has got to do that. Eventually you could get it blingy. You could definitely bling it up a little. Yeah. But uh, it's not, you don't look at it and say, Oh God, really? Do I have to go out with that? Uh, let's see. Also Didn't- the video shot at 120 frames per second. Can it export play back at 120 frames per second? I don't know. Like, I think it, it would if you, like, if you, if you share it, I, I, I could be wrong here. Eric, this is from Eric Van Quill Esquire. Doesn't really look like an Esquire judging by his, his Twitter ID, but I'll give it to him. Uh, classy guy. Anybody with Esquire after it, I'll answer your question. I think the way it works is if you export like through the sharing menu, it's going to downsample to 30 frames per second. Uh, and and turn the slow mo. You know, it'll all be thirty frames per second. I think if you just connect it as a USB device and use you know iPhoto or uh, image capture or whatever that uh, whatever that thing is the um, the thing that just sucks photos off a camera. On your yeah, phone. a camera, the camera app. Yeah. Um, what's it called? Capture. Yeah. Uh, it'll come off as just the raw data. So it will come off, I think as 120 frames per second. I can't imagine that it wouldn't, it'll just, you know, I, I actually didn't do that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to log in and, and look for the, uh, for the th- movie that I posted. So I can see what it is, but we'll be moved on by the time I get there. All right. Any issues with battery life on the iPhone five? Ours Technica tests show it's way worse, and I've had similar issues. I presume that means with an old iPhone 5 upgraded to iOS 7. Uh, I haven't done extensive testing. I Like I said, though, I've been running iOS 7 on my main iPhone all summer long, since beta 3, I think since July. Uh, I, I didn't notice any real difference, no improvement, no worsening of battery life over the summer. And, I you know, I, I did a lot of it vacations and and traveling over summer so i actually used my iphone a lot and didn't have any problems but i don't doubt if ours technica has tests that show that it's worse i don't know but i didn't think it was bad i i actually did have some some problems starting off but that was you know that was one of these uh, uh, the betas, yeah. and I, I to be honest, I didn't really worry about it. I had one, and I guess I should say I had one, and I again I just chalk this up to being beta. I had one last month where I got the twenty percent warning, where it's like I first time I got the warning said, "Hey, you're down warning, you're down to twenty percent," and the battery went red, and then the phone shut down. You know, like when you get to zero, literally about thirty seconds later. 
Like it went from 20 to zero in 30 seconds. And I thought, wow, that's scary. And I charged it up. And then ever since I, I never saw that happen again, but I, you know, but that to me is what happens when you install a beta on your phone. Well, exactly. And, and since I, uh, with the, the five S I noticed a lot better battery, uh, life with the, the updated version of, of iOS seven, because you don't know what's on in the background. In, in these betas. I mean, they, you know, they could have debugging stuff. They could have, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. And I think it I probably know. matters too, as to what else you have turned on. What apps have you granted location tracking privileges to what right. apps have, you know, do you have Bluetooth on and what are you allowing to, to connect to you by Bluetooth? Uh, I know I, I have, I bought one of those pebble watches, um, and I, I really didn't like it. I, I didn't write about it just because it, I, well, maybe I will when I speculate more about watches in the future. But anyway, long story short, though, I definitely noticed and didn't see anybody else complaining about it. I definitely noticed that just pairing the Pebble watch with my iPhone really hurt battery life on my phone. And it was, you know, I don't get a lot of phone calls or texts all day. So it wasn't like there were tons of notifications going back and forth. Just pairing them, I, I noticed a noticeable difference. So I, I guess it depends on what you've got. Yeah. I tend to keep every a lot of things off, and I, I don't even have my email check in the background. I've ne- I haven't I've like for five or six years. I just I I check email when I open the mail app. Wow, yeah, I I have that stuff on. I I have Wi Fi on. Um, Bluetooth, you know, I I turn off when I'm traveling. Yeah, but you do need Bluetooth for AirDrop though. That's a reason to keep Bluetooth on. But I think True. if you just turn Bluetooth on but don't pair anything, you know, and just wait and use it for AirDrop, it shouldn't really have much of an effect. That's true. Um to get back to Esquire's question, uh the videos that I exported from my phone using slow-mo uh export, exported in H264 568 by 320 FPS 30. Hmm. Um, What'd you use to export them? Uh, the iPhone. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And I think if you connect it to the, um, what's that app called again? God damn it. Image capture. Image capture. Yeah. yeah. Then I think they'll come off as just the raw 120 frame per second video. And the, uh, the data rate was 826 hmm. per second. So, um, you know, it's not a high def movie, but that's not what they were going for either. Yeah. Here's another it's- question. Same guy, Eric Van Quill Esquire. Does the flashlight light up both LEDs? Yes. How hard is the leather case to remove? Not too hard, but I found kind of hard. Because I didn't I've, even put it on. I did because when I was walking around the first few days, especially when I was still in San Francisco, where more people know me and and more people are tech savvy, I did not want anybody to ask me about the goddamn gold iphone like the rules of reviewing it are uh you're you're allowed they want you to use it i mean it's not like you you know i'd get you get in any trouble if somebody says hey john gruber has a gold iphone i saw him you're supposed to use it you're not supposed to show it off you can't let other people touch it uh i just didn't even want to bother with i thought putting in a case would just make sure and i you know i wanted to try the case i found it a little hard to take out off though and you know but i think in a good way where it's like on solid the rubbery case, the silicone case for the uh, the 5C is really easy to get on and off, though, because it's stretchy as opposed right. to the leather one. Uh, da, da, da. And does the flashlight light up both? Yes, it does. Here's Ryan Jones. Ryan Jones asks, predict 5S sellout time. Uh, one minute. <laughs> I, 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 th- I don't think it's going to – I think it's going to be 
very constrained. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, what is sellout? Like if it, you know, it's going to drop, I think it's going to drop to, you know, two, two weeks very quickly. Because uh, who knows? I mean, it doesn't even go on sale to the 20th. Who knows what the first person who gets their order in, who knows what the, the delivery time is? They Apple hasn't said for online stuff. I mean, obviously, if you really want one on the 20th, the only way to do it is to get in line at an Apple store. Right. I saw a thing yesterday where, where I think All Things D had a report from carriers that said that they got like a ridiculously small shipment of five S's. Well, don't, you know, don't forget that Tim Cook even said, I mean, this isn't speculation. Tim Cook said specifically earlier this year that they would like to sell a higher proportion of iPhones through their own stores. You know, it, it, you know, that, that the carriers got fewer doesn't mean that Apple stores will have fewer. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. I mean, my advice. People read the worst into this stuff, and it's yeah. not always the worst. It is going to be tight, though. There's no doubt in my mind, and that's I, I I know for a fact that's why they didn't take pre-orders of it because it's going to be tighter. It's harder to make, and who knows what the reason is? Is it the A7? Is it the touch um, ID sensor? Is it both? I, who knows? But it's you know it's new. It, it's new components. They're in they're in they're in they're in demand. It could be something as simple as they made a last minute change. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and had to had to you know start over. Yeah, but if you want one on day one and you want to go to get up early and go to a retail store, don't think that hey everybody's going to go to the Apple store, so I'll go to Verizon or AT and T or Sprint or whatever and and beat the lines. I think that's the wrong way to do it. I think if you really want one on day one, your best bet is to bite the bullet and get up in the middle of the night and get in line at your local Apple store because the Apple store is going to have a lot more than the carriers. Agreed. Uh, hmm. Is Apple done with skeuomorphic design for good? Uh, I don't know. Is there room for, in iOS, e.g. iBooks? I th- I'll tell you what. This year, I expect a new version of iBooks probably at the iPad event. I'm surprised we didn't get it already. I guess maybe they're waiting for the iPad event. I don't know. But I would be shocked if they don't redesign iBooks along the lines of newsstand where they get rid of this skeuomorphism. Is it gone for good? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, forever is a long time. And, and you know, fashion moves in cycles. Yeah. I I hope it's not. I think it'll. I think it'll start coming back in small doses. You know, I think part of what brought the end of it was that it it was taken to its like logical conclusion where it couldn't get any more skeuomorphic, right? Like with yeah. retina to screens and the incredible color fidelity of these iOS devices, you know, it couldn't get any more. So I think it was taken to an extreme and then they, you know, dialed it back. I think that, you know, it's almost like a dial that went all the way around to zero and now it'll start ticking up the other way again, I guess. Yep. I yeah. hope so. I, I don't want to see them get rid of it altogether. It's so hard to detect fashion trends in the short term. You have to kind of take a long-term look. Yeah. Oh, let's see. I might be wrapping up. You see any other good questions? I don't. Sorry if I missed your good question. I'm sure that it was great, and it's my fault that I missed it if you're out there and you did send a send a question. Uh what do you yeah, think of was, what do you think of the of new notification center? I think it I, I found it to I find it to be very useful. I, I think it the reorganization of it is is better to me. I like notification center on, on iOS 
and the Mac. Yeah. You know, I, I find it to be a very useful feature. It's another one of those things that, that fixes a pain point for me. You know, one that I didn't really know that there was a fix for. I, I can be working on either iOS or Mac OS and get a notification, just glance up and see, okay, it's nothing I have to worry about. And then keep working instead of stopping going to email and saying, Oh, is that the email from Gruber I was waiting for? No, it's not. Then go back and you know, you kind of lose your, your train. You know, the momentum is gone at that point, especially if you get a lot of email or tweets or whatever. So I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, here's Marcus Mendez asks if iOS seven and touch ID might be a way to seamlessly switch between profiles. And then there's a URL. I don't have time to read it, but I'm guessing what he means is sort of like multiple user accounts. Hmm. Uh, I would say touch ID maybe, but not with iOS seven. iOS seven is clearly still like all previous versions of iOS, a single user OS at some point in the future. Could it switch to a multi users thing and could it be tied to like for let's say like a school system with you know some kind of cloud storage so that you know any kid could pick up any ipad in the classroom and use their fingerprint to get their stuff i think kind of cool yeah i think sure i don't think it's an ios 7 thing though i think that's you know in the future but that's the sort of cool thing that touch id could could uh, could foreshadow yeah here's a here's an interesting one uh, Daniel Reed, I plan to use my uh, 5S as a completely untethered device, never sync over USB. Pros and cons. I think that's how I use mine now. Yeah. You I, know what? I, I will. I'm going to jump in on it and I'm going to say that I find restoring from an iCloud backup to be a pain in the ass. Really? Yeah, because it seems to me like my I'm never quite done downloading all the apps. You know, like first it downloads your data, but doesn't download your apps. The apps then come back from the store, not from the backup. And it doesn't get them all. At least it didn't for me. Yeah, I, I did do my 5S like that uh, through an iCloud backup in the in the hotel. And there were some apps, yeah, that it, it didn't download. I wasn't too concerned about the apps because I they were trying. I don't even know what happened because it should be downloading them from iCloud. Because they were purchased apps. Well, no, the way that it works, though, is your iCloud, and this is smart in some ways, where the apps don't count against your backup because, hey, why why bother? You know, we're not going to take up your precious 20 gigs or whatever you've paid for of iCloud storage for apps because we've got them in the store. It's like a two-step process where the first right. step is your data, which is the most important thing, and then it syncs apps and downloads them from the store. And the same thing with music that you've bought with, like, iTunes Match. It's like a separate process, but it's there's there's no good indication of how far along it is in restoring it. And just like you, I, I get these review units while I'm traveling to San Francisco and I'm stuck on hotel Wi-Fi. <laughs> and it's it's good enough to get my data and stuff like my email accounts reconfigured in mail, which alone is a huge convenience that you don't yes. have to like, you know, set up four different email accounts and type it all in. Um, but to actually download the apps, it's sort of a pain in the ass. But I, you know, in general, if, you know, that's mostly how I use mine. The only time I ever even think about connecting my iPhone to a USB is to backup and restore just to get all the apps quicker than I can download them from iTunes. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't have Wi-Fi sync on anymore. I don't have, I mean, I, I remember being excited about Wi-Fi sync. I don't even use it anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't use, I obviously, you know, you plug it in to, to charge it. I, because my computer is always with me when I'm at home, it's, it's very convenient. So I, I plug it in to charge it, but nothing happens in iTunes. You know, it, it pops up in iTunes, but it doesn't sync. Uh, you know, that's, that's off. So it, it it just it's iCloud all the time. I, yeah. I don't don't even do anything. Yeah, but anyway, I think it's you know it's certainly the future, and you could probably I think you'll probably do well doing it like that today. Yeah. Here's a quick question from Zach Khan. Good question. Any word on why AirDrop only works iOS to iOS and not iOS to iOS or Mac? Uh, my best guess. I do not have an answer, but my best guess is just wait. <laughs> I think it will. I think it's almost inevitable that it will work. I can't imagine that they'd give the feature the same name and not have them work together yet. Yeah. I don't know what technical problem mean, you know, has kept them from getting it to to work together yet. Yeah, it it just seems like an obvious thing. Uh, I think that's about it. Here's one last question. It's from Christine Gambrel. I think this question is for you. Why are you so perfect? You know, uh... I get asked that a lot. It's hard for me to explain. <laughs> uh, I, I think that that question would probably be best asked of Monique and Amy Jane. Wow. And uh, I wouldn't want to be around for the answer. Yeah, you've never smelled all the farts in my office. I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm gorgeous, but I don't yeah, know that's a better question for Jim. Why are you so gorgeous? <laughs> Or even better, somebody else asked, I can't remember his name. Somebody asked, how come your your laugh is not one of the new ringtones? See? It should be a purple phone with a laugh for a ringtone. Yeah. Apple would sell like 50 million of them. <laughs> but no, no, they don't listen to me. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> All right, Jim Dalrymple, thank you very much. What a great show. Thanks a lot, uh, and thank you, everybody out there who sent those questions in. I think a lot of those were good. And, and for all the ones we missed, uh, I'll try to answer them on Twitter instead. But thanks. Thanks.